Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Talking Floorball podcast. It's another interview special as part of our summer series. Alongside me today, uh, Mari still away on holiday, but she will be back for the next episode. But for the last uh, episode where it's just me, it will be a special one. We had Ollie Hogburn, the commentator, last time, and this time we have one of the world's best referees with us, Thomas Andersson from Sweden. Hello, Thomas. Hello, James. Uh, thanks for that introduction. I I can't uh, hear enough of those words. It's uh, <laughs> it's fantastic to hear. So you can repeat it if you want. Okay. So again, one of the world's best referees with us today. We are very humbled by your presence, Thomas. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I mean, it's great that uh, the two of us are still working and we can combine with these efforts as well as a break in, in the normal day. That's uh, that's great. For sure, for sure. So for some of you who may be a little bit new to the sport or a little bit not as knowledgeable, uh, Thomas Anderson is one of the world's most well-known referees and respected referees. He's been a ref for over 20 years now in the highest league in Sweden, in the SSL, uh, and alongside his partner, Rikard Wissmann, who he's been working with since 2009, I believe. Correct, correct. They are. They have been always amongst the top-rated referees, having just received the award for the fourth time from Svensk Inibandi as Best Male Referees of the Year for the previous season 2022-23 and that's as I said their fourth time winning that achievement. Thomas what is that like when you get the not only the recognition from your from your peers but also your federation? I mean it's fantastic to do so and um, that we will talk about a little bit later is that in Sweden we ha- we still have our Super League uh, and the Super Final. Uh, you, you comment that on one of the episodes with Mary earlier that Sweden, Czech and, and Swiss are doing that still and uh, for us that's a big, big uh, festival and party in the Globe Arena here in uh, in Stockholm or the Avicii Arena. Uh, I, I mean, to, to, to reach that level and to do that so many times, uh, it's my sixth uh, SSL final total. I had two with my previous colleague and now four with Rickard. Uh, I actually will start my uh, 30th um season starting now in uh, in september so uh, being 45 years old uh, that is the main bulk of my uh, of my life and it's been uh, a red line throughout my uh, professional and adult career uh, regardless what i've done in uh, in the professional life or with the family uh, so being able to to stay on this level for such a long time is both uh, of course hard work but um also a great evidence and recognition that we we still deliver on the, on the highest level both international and national and uh, that's fantastic and we are super super uh, humble and also excited to go on to the next season to to grab another one but uh, when you're number one there's only one way uh, that you could go if not uh, stable right for sure but it it also takes a lot of skill and determination to stay at that high level for a long time i'm sure and to not drop mm. drop that and and settle into sort of complacency. So it's testament to you and, and Ricard that you kept yourself up there and, and keep on getting nominated back to that SSL final. So 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But I mean, when when you're on that, we have a couple of colleagues uh, that are neck to neck when it comes to competition. I mean, Glenn and Håkan has been around for a long time here in Sweden. Then we have upcoming uh, upcoming colleagues. We have a good stable group here in Sweden for a number of years. Uh, shout out to the the Swedish Federation who have worked hard on stabilizing this organization with ex-refs actually working in the federation to develop uh, referees and we also have our our head coach who is also a former ref and uh, also an IFF observer he was head of referees in um, in Helsinki um, during the VFC so I mean we can count the number of games we have or the number of uh, finals or WFCs and uh, that's something that strives us uh, I'm closing in on my 500 SSL game coming up and also my 100 uh, IFF game as well. And uh, six finals in the Swedish Super League, five, uh, five WFCs, three Champion Cups finals and uh, a couple of social media highlights. So you can, uh, you can count uh, all of them and put them in the bucket and strive for, for more. That's what gives you persistence and uh, strength, I believe. Yeah, and you're still relatively still young for a referee. You've still got a way ahead of you if you choose to carry on for a while. So there's many more records to achieve for you. Um, and speaking of that, you you started off very, very young uh, as a referee. And I believe you were 15 years old when you started. How How was that for you in the beginning? I mean, in the start, it was more of, okay, let's, let's try this out. In Sweden, we have a system that every, uh, you have the national federation on top, and then you have the municipal, uh, municipal areas that will cover their own, own system and referees. So in Stockholm area, where I'm located and live, uh, together with my two kids, my girlfriend and the cat, um, all of the clubs need to sign up minimum two referees in order to get the system ongoing. So that has been for long. Uh, I signed up early because I, I didn't know what it was. Um, and I also wanted to make some extra money, which was, which was great. Uh, then it just kept on doing that. And I, I was trying to get uh, to the highest level of, of playing. I didn't reach that. I was never even close to, to that, actually. So we have the Super League, then we have the Allsvenska and then the Division 1. In Division 1, I was quite good. In Allsvenska, I played for one season. I was mostly on the bench, but I played. Uh, but then when I start, uh, stopped to play, and then um, they pulled me up in the system and it took a couple of years. And then we had our first final on the women's side, uh, 2002. So... Uh, I mean, the only thing that you can do as a young ref is to, to ref, uh, take, uh, take on the, the challenges that you have. Uh, and we can talk about more of that later on, but uh, it's be become, a, a, as I said, a red line throughout my both career as a referee, but also as uh, me as a person. Um, it's given me a lot and I can truly recommend it to anybody who wants to try it. Lovely. Great words. And it's, it's uh, certainly, if you think about it, well, 20 years, it doesn't, it sounds a long time. But then when you say, oh, yeah, 2002, it doesn't seem that long ago. So time definitely flies. And um, I'm sure for you, you've noticed some big changes, both technically and, and 
sort of rules and regulations wise in those 20 years. Um, is there anything for you over that time period that has been the sort of biggest change, biggest difference in the sport of floorball? Of course, uh, very much has changed, uh, especially the, the sport of itself and the package and the product. And here again, a shout out to the, both the national and the international federations that have worked hard in order to get us to this. Uh, I wrapped my first WFC in 2008. This was also in, in Prague and Ostrava. Uh, but the magnitude of scale of this tournament has grown tremendously. Uh, also here in Sweden, I mean, we went from, from these small uh, gymnastic halls to the big arenas. And now uh, almost everybody in the Super League have their own arena designated only for floorball. Uh, and that's fantastic in, in many ways uh, of doing that. So it's a professional sport and many, uh, most of the players have some, uh, some kind of fee or some kind of um, money associated in, in their contracts. Uh, some are full-time professionals, and I think that we're striving for that direction as well. Uh, we can also see the players uh, in the beginning, they maybe they played football or rugby or ice hockey, and then they kept on as with floorball as a second sport. Uh, the players coming up right now, especially from the under-19 and uh, a few, le- few, year, few years above that, they have floorball as their first sport. So they are truly skilled from from young age to being floorball players. So they have the technique, they have the strength, they have the speed, and they have the mentality for floorball from the start. And uh, that also brings on the challenges on the pitch on how that actually influences the game, uh, which uh, for me, it's it's great. Certainly, uh, not just because I think Sweden is the in terms of pure numbers, it's the highest number of, of registered players and registered clubs in the world for floorball. But also, I, I think what you were saying about people choosing floorball as their first sport and doing that from young, that's also spreading to more countries across across the globe, not just in Europe as well. Um, we see how, especially in Asia with Thailand and Philippines setting up domestic um, domestic leagues and domestic clubs and that's really good to see and there's a huge floorball community in Western Australia as well for example so uh, where people are playing that as a first sport so that's definitely a very big positive for sure. Mm. Uh, I, I, too, I do agree and uh, I mean my contribution is that uh, I, I'm, I'm refing as a, as a hobby uh, to make that clear. I have another work where I'm designated to work uh, and I'm, I'm in sales. I drive a global account for everything from China, Vietnam to, to US and Mexico, which is a lot of fun. But I, I have the ability to, to balance that with, with my hobby, which is a referee. Uh, and I mainly do that in Sweden, of course, during the regular season, but also on the international stage uh, based on the events from the IFF and the invitations to games and tournaments uh, associated to that. Uh, but another great thing of, of seeing exactly what you're referring to is that uh, having the privilege of being uh, being good at my hobby, uh, I'm invited to more or less come all over the globe in order to support the, the local countries or the local referees to, to evolve and uh, work as a mentor and um, a role model, uh, which is truly fantastic. 
Uh, I've been in the US since 2016. Uh, after the WFC qualifications, I, I learned to know the organization over there. And uh, I've been there minimum on um, once per year, developing their organization and the, the ref strategy in order to get uh, minimum one pair to the IFF, which has been successful. And also spreading the word of refing floorball in the US. Uh, I've been invited to places where I would never go elsewhere if, if I was not invited. I, I've been to uh, Ukraine, Slovenia, Spain, uh, through IFF, I've been to Singapore, Korea for WFC uh, qualifications as well. And just to see the persons uh, and people playing and refing floorball in other countries, it's truly amazing. Uh, being a sport that was developed in Sweden or Finland, I, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't uh, around at that time, but from a long time ago, seeing the development in these countries, and I actually forgot that I also been to Africa, to Uganda, to, to do the same and see people playing the sport with, with, the, with the love and the enthusiasm that they can bring with what they have. Uh, for example, in Uganda, they play floorball on either concrete on the bas basketball court on, on the short grass for, um, for land hockey. Uh, so they don't have the means um, as we are used to, which is common. We have sports centers all over. We can go in and play floorball. And it's uh, something that is in the curriculum in school that you actually play this during athletes. Every kid in Sweden do. So they have the closeness to that but it's spreading around the globe and that's fantastic and it gives me a lot of energy just talking about that. Maybe maybe that's noticeable. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I, I just want to touch on as well, you spoke about how you've been a big part of the, of the build-up in the US uh, with their referee program and you have a close relationship with the US Floorball Association. Um, when, when this podcast goes live, it will be the, the day of the new season of the NFL, NAFL in the US, and you were a part of that inaugural season, last season, a uh, big part of their marketing, but also a um, big part of their back-end development in terms of the referee and the whole organization of the tournament. How was that like for you uh, that summer last year in the US? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I, heard, I started hearing about NAFL a couple of years back, or even more than that. It was, uh, it was planned to start already in 21, but then there was a pandemic that pushed that, of course. Um, so Ryan Connor with family uh, drive this, and uh, they became in, in love with the sport quite late, um, or not that long ago. And uh, the story about everything that I'm about to tell is people. Uh, and that, that's a great thing. Uh, going back to when I started travel over to US for, uh, for development and refs in 2016, uh, the, the president of USFBA, Kalle Karlsson, who's an ex-Swede from, from the West Coast here in Sweden, who has been living in US for a long time, he, together with another, another number of, of persons uh, driving the sport with with love, enthusiasm, energy, and putting their own money into the development of these games, right? And of course, I mean, we have uh, Vince Falso from the ref perspective with his uh, colleague, Sean. Uh, we have Adam Troy, who does tremendous things in, in media. 
we have we have Joel, we have so many people that is putting their energy into building the sports in uh, in their native countries. And there's a lot of stories about other persons as well doing the same thing in their respective countries. I mean, we have Matthias of Canada, we have Tamush in Ukraine, we have Carlos in Spain. So all of these people that is driving their sports, taking their time and their money in order to build that sports, that's amazing and fantastic. Again, going back to <clears throat> what we're used to over here in Sweden, everything comes on a, on a plate because it's in the system, it's in the mm. curriculum. But going back then to 2016 and all of these tournaments, uh, I mean, they have like five tournaments uh, a year in the US roughly, and they choose one tournament, which is more or less, if you win this, then, you, then you're national champion of, of US of that year. So that has been the thing uh, previously. And then last year's was the, the first season. I learned this word inaugural and still have challenges pronouncing it. But I, I was invited uh, to become a ref of that. And, and I thought that was fun. Uh, we had uh, Peter here from Sweden. He was been living in the US, uh, taking care of the refs from the NAFL. And uh, we have Vince and Sean and a couple of other colleagues from, um, from, Sweden, uh, from Europe coming over for, as refs. And, and then, I mean, you have told a lot about the NAFL as such, but it's the difference about NAFL is it's an owner structure. So it's more like NAFL or NBA where you have owners for all of the teams. Uh, so again, people that is putting their energy and efforts into their teams. They're putting a lot of money on the table, which they are aware about. Okay, I will not gain money in X amount of years, but I do this because I love floorball and I love the sports and I believe in this. And we, we have Daniel in Florida, we have Brian in Texas, and right now it's six owners that is driving uh, the NFL for the season two. And um, as you mentioned, I was a part of the first season. So the first weekend, it was four weekends last, last year. First weekend in Fresno, I had the possibility to join because I was in US on, on business. So I flew over to California and I joined. Uh, it was a small, small arena, uh, very, very hot, 40 plus degrees Celsius, uh, but a lot of, of different players from all over, native players from US, it was Canadians, it was a lot of uh, players from Europe. And you can see that from all of these four teams that it was from last year, one team was very focused, coming, bringing players and coach from Finland, for example. One team had uh, more uh, Swedish, one team had more Czechs. Uh, and this is something that, of course, is a trend. If you, if you find one uh, thread and then you pull that, more will come. Then, mm -hmm. um, as a ref coming in and trying to find the line and balance all of that, that was the main challenge. But it was also a lot of fun to do that. So we had four week, four weekends more or less in total, and in in the middle of that was the fantastic event of the World Games in in Birmingham. So I spent more or less from from June to late August. Uh, I was in the U.S. And again, uh, thank you to my family who actually <laughs> um, agreed of of having me play around with this during last summer. Uh, my girlfriend and my son came over, and they were actually volunteers at the World Games. 
So they okay. joined me and saw all of that. Yeah, uh, my girlfriend was actually on the penalty bench of the on the <laughs> final day, um, and and then they followed us uh, and me and together with my friend and ref ref partner Vince Faso, we had um, a road trip driving from Birmingham down to Orlando for having the third weekend of the NAFL, and then from Orlando we drove to uh, to Texas to Fort Worth for the final weekend on AFL. So it was a combination of, of refing, uh, the first inaugural season on, on an AFL. Um, and we had a lot of fun, me and my family, despite it was a really long time in the US. I actually got an email stating, you've been here for a long time. Do you need to pay taxes? Uh, so then I said, okay, I, I need, maybe <laughs> I need to stop or, and go home. But more than that, then um, what I take the memories I bring the most are the people again, uh, not only the owners, but also the players and everybody around that. Everybody was there because they loved floorball. Um, and I believe it was a great success in many ways. Uh, I think that also the organization with Ryan uh, and teams, they have learned a lot, uh, which would be great to, to hear about what they, what they will do now for the second season. Uh, I will not join for the second season because my family chose that we should do normal uh, vacations <laughs> instead. Uh, so when uh, NFL starts now this weekend, I'm going to Italy with my, with my family, just having vacation. And they deserve that because they, they support me so much during uh, seasons and weekends all over. And usually summer punch, summertime should be uh, vacation time from uh, floorball, right? Usually, but as we both know, sometimes you can't escape the sport, even if you choose, even if you want to. Sometimes you can't. <laughs> no, I mean that there is tournaments all over. You see it on social media, right? So I mean, it's great mm. uh, for me. It's more preseason. I hang out in the gym, more preparing for uh, what's to come. Uh, and the first step for us this season is that me and Rickard, are, we are going to Prague uh, on uh, August 9 for, uh, for the Czech Open. So that will be our start of the season this year. And it's always great to come back to Czech and Prague. They know how to host the tournament. Yeah, so referees also have pre-season tournaments then, I guess. Yeah, of course we do. I mean, it's both physical and... Um, mental right so we need to go into finding the rules again uh, and of course physical uh, we exercise on a, I exercise more on a daily basis I exercise six times a week uh, and we have twice a year we have physical tests and once a year we have a rule test so of course we need to pass that in order to be able to ref but we are me and Rickard we set up a plan every year to set up goals okay what what are the goals for this season how do we prepare for that? Uh, this season is a non-WFC um, season, which means that it's we don't have the break in December that we used to. But uh, the season starts in the mid of uh, or end of September. So then we prepare accordingly to be to be ready to be at a hundred percent when SSL starts then. And you travel across the whole of Sweden for SSL games, I imagine, from all the way in the south, Malmö, to all the way up north, maybe somewhere near Kaismora. Uh, Even further, actually. The, the, we have, we're going to Umeå for the furthest north in, in Super League. But then on the southern, yes, it's, uh, 
It's in Skåne, but in Helsingborg. Okay. And when you have to go to places like Umea in December, is that a lot of fun with the temperature? I mean, it's uh, it's different, right? I mean, that's what we know as Swedes or living in the Nordics. We have the four seasons. So we have winter, hopefully with a lot of snow. Uh, we have the spring when everything turns green and everybody's happy again. Uh, we have a summer, which is hopefully not that short. Um, and then we have the autumn, which is great with all of the colors on the leaves and the trees and stuff like that. But also it's great because then uh, floorball starts. So I get energy of all of these seasons. But um, of course, darkness in uh, December, January, it's not as fun. But as long as you go indoors and you have your sports to play, of course, we go out to play football. But uh, then we have the game to play and it doesn't matter what what time of year it is. It's always good. Always good. And uh, yeah, thankfully we are indoor, so we don't have to play outdoor. Right, for sure. So we were just speaking about the SSL and, and your international calendar sometimes. How does that compare? being a ref in, in the SSL to say, when you go on international duty for the IFF, does the, the speed of the game change? Does your, the way you ref the matches change as well? Or? Uh, yes, of course. I mean, if, if we start uh, in on the national stage, um, I mentioned that we have a team for, uh, for SSL men, and uh, we mainly ref SSL only on the men's side which means that we uh, we nudge the teams all the time. Uh, we meet them uh, several times a season, and especially during playoffs, you get to know them on, on a different level, right? Uh, so what we start to think about when I talk about how you start to know a team going down to a player in, in an individual situation, is that I know when I, when I meet teams, I know their main structure. How do they play? Uh, what's the idea of the coach? How do they want to play? Uh, and this we learn because we meet them so often from from uh, preseason to to playoffs. Um, <clears throat> and then we can do, go down on knowledge on on a line by line level. So we know, for example, some teams they have designated tactics on that they use their different lines for different purposes. Uh, we can uh, we can name for example Kalmarsund, who uh, is really really skilled in using their second line for a man-to-man -man defense in order to push out their opponent's first line and especially the sniper or the shooter who usually scores goals. Uh, and then you have um, the different lines how they play. So we know that, and then of course we adapt our way of refing in order to make. Uh, make the teams in order to play as they should and they want to play. That, that's our role as referees, right? We want to help the players. Uh, and then you can go on an in, in individual line. Uh, you can talk about the first line, for example. We know how their structure, we know their base positions, and we usually know how they want to move and how they want to, to finish off. Uh, so then we place ourselves accordingly, we're trying to read the game and we try to understand what they would like to have in that particular situation. Thinking about advantage first, reading the game, making sure that they come to the situation that they have trained so hard during uh, many years in order to accomplish. 
Uh, and then we can go down to a player in the corner. Uh, do we want to turn left or right? Does he want the free hit so he can put it quickly on the far post? Or do we want to have the advantage so he can turn around and get a plus one? So all of these things we learn because we are refing these teams over and over and over. And we meet them and we learn and we evolve. And again, we do this in order to, to support the players and how they want to play the, their game uh, in order to get the best product out of, uh, of floorball for players, for sponsors, for hub, uh, uh, the spectators on stand, but also to refer, we can refer to Olli, uh, as he talked about in the last podcast, how he commentates the thing. I mean, everything combines in a package that we sell as, as floorball. So everything needs to align in a good way in order to um, create as good package and brand as possible, because that is what is shown on, on social media and all of the highlights. Uh, so that's more or less on the, uh, on the national level. On the international level, on the other hand, of course, it's more difficult because we don't ref them as much. So we don't know all of these details that I already name dropped that we're thinking on uh, in the Super League on a game by game basis. Uh, and then, of course, we have the different levels. Uh, how long, uh, how, what's the development like in that country? How far have they come? Where are they in their, in their own thinking and their own tactics, uh, both technical and physical? I think it's important to talk about when we talk about the line to talk about both the physical line and the technical line because it's different. And how to balance that going on on if you have like an Asian uh, Asian game or if you have a transatlantic game. It, it's different because you need to find a balance in between the physical play and the, the um, technical play. So it's more difficult when it comes to that, but also more fun uh, because it's uh, usually more open on the international stage. Uh, you can get a few laughs during play. Uh, we can get that in the Super League as well, but it's not as common when it comes to that. So it, it's different for sure, uh, but also that is something that is in our role because we need to adapt. And that's something that we are talking a lot about, how to adapt to the players. Again, to emphasize that we're there for their course and we want to be as prepared as possible in, for enable to support them to play their game. Great, thank you. And and as you were saying, it's maybe it's a little bit more relaxed, say in the group stages if of a WFC than a, a knockout stage, especially when you get a, a a Switzerland Czech Republic game or a Latvia Latvia Switzerland Latvia Sweden Finland game, which can be a lot more feisty and a bit more um, sort of uh, more physical contact. Let's just put it that way. Mm. Mm. You're right. And when you go to these international events, uh, often you'll find um, players from Swedish diaspora or, or players with Swedish heritage or Swedish backgrounds or nationalities from other countries. So, for example, there's a large Swedish contingent of Thai players and Filipino players. Uh, and also even Team Estonia has several uh, Swedish language speakers. How is that for you as a referee? Do you feel like you want to speak Swedish with them, but you stay in English? Or how do you work with that? Well, uh, you're correct in the sense that uh, 
giving the Nordics. There's a lot of uh, players with double passports or whatever, so we find them, and they tend to they tend to uh, approach us in in Swedish, and we can do that on a one-to-one basis, of course. But uh, on an international stage, we always we always talk English. Um, <clears throat> we have a couple of instances when we actually have ref Swedish teams or the Swedish national teams, uh, like in the in the Champions Cup, uh, the group stage or, or the finals, uh, there's been Swedish teams as well. And when they approach us in Swedish, we always reply in English. First, they look at us strangely and say, yeah, but this is an international tournament. Uh, and then they say, eh, okay, and they just move on. Uh, we also ref Sweden Finland a couple of times. Uh, same thing over there. So, and the reason for that is, I mean, we're not on anybody's side. Uh, we're communicated uh, referees, and we use communication a lot. Uh, again, in as I referred to earlier, when I was uh, talking about how we approach the players here, when uh, in this in the Super League. Uh, we want to be uh, proactive in our communication in order to minimize uh, the fouls and the whistles blown because then we get a more intense game which brings a better brand for for floorball uh, so that's why we open up a lot for communication um, and we are com- very communicative both me and richard actually richard is working with communication so <laughs> that's only that right um but so we open up for communication regardless but uh, on the international stage we do it in English, of course, because everybody wants to needs to hear what we're talking about. So there's no risk on anybody saying, "Okay, they're talking in Swedish. I wonder what they're talking about." Nothing like that. Uh, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter who is playing, which team is it's red or whether it's white or it's blue. There are players, home team, away team, and we take that as a base going in. We bring in our knowledge, as I mentioned, and. Um, and then we want to help the players to play their game, to, to have the best game that they can have. And for any players out there who who wonder why you don't respond to them in Swedish in certain situations, they'll understand a little bit more now that it's not a disrespectful thing. It's just so that all players understand what is the conversations going on between players and referees, especially if they don't speak Swedish. Yeah, correct, correct. It's it's easy, and we we usually explain that one as well, so it, we're not being acted as rude or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a polite thing to do. Everybody has the same uh, same possibilities to do that, and of course, sometimes we have uh, teams where where nobody speaks English at all, and then we we try to use sign languages or uh, trying to to learn some words in their native language in order to having uh, slight communications regardless. But I mean, that's also a, a challenge. Uh, it's the same rule book, but we try to adopt. I'm sure you're very, very well uh, informed of certain words like stop in about 17 different languages. So, Yeah, we have an Excel uh, of, um, of translations when it comes to that. So uh, <laughs> that's that's correct. Uh, the last thing from me before we move on to the uh, f- fan questions, which we got a lot of fan questions. There's a lot of people willing to hear from you, Thomas. Um, last thing is, over the years, both domestically and internationally, you've been part of many, many tournaments. But what has been some of the standout events and tournaments for you that you've been to? Um, on on the national level, uh, it's two 
two parts that stands out for me. Uh, first is is playoffs, uh, and that's due to the case that 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 is so decisive for the players actually which which league they're gonna play in in uh, next season. Uh, if we take for the playoffs in uh, in the Super League, um, if you go for the quarterfinals and you lose, okay, that's too bad. But then you start your preseason and you play in the Super League next year. But if we talk about the playoffs up to the Super League, so you're playing in Allsvenska and you want to move up a level and you go into those qualification games, it's so much emotions. Uh, and those are very, very heartwarming and, and fun to ref. Of course, it's so many emotions. It's really, really black and white. One team is super, super happy because they're one and they're moving on to the next day. And the second team was devastated because they have lost and they need to have another year to uh, to have another shout at it. Uh, so that's a lot of fun uh, and a lot of memories associated with that on players that uh, are super skilled, but in the last seconds, they just lose their head and do something stupid. And that's <laughs> decisive. Um, but those and also together with uh, having refereeing uh, more young players, uh, it's a lot of emotions as well. Every game is like a WFC final. And uh, and it's super fun because then it's just a love for the game, a love for the sport, and and uh, and a team effort to do that. Um, you had a poll and a discussion with Marit uh, in an earlier podcast regarding if you want to have the finals in the different countries out of a best of seven or a super finale. Um, I, I'm not. Uh, the deci- decision maker when it comes to that, but I do, I do like the uh, the super final because it's, I mean the Globe Arena is just uh, for me it's ten minutes walk from where I live. Uh, it's a perfect arena, the Globe Arena or the Avicii Arena. It's perfect for floorball, as the Swiss Life Arena in Zurich or the O2 Arena in uh, in Prague. Uh, when when you have those packed in in the super finale and and a one day and I know that both Czech and Swiss do the same they have both women's and men at the same time everybody's there uh, the festival is you cannot compare it I do understand the best out of seven because then you have more tactics into it uh, the fans can see their teams on a home field. And I, if I calculate correctly, the number of spectators will be roughly the same if you distribute the amount of the seven games or if you have it in one packed arena. But the feeling of having one game and uh, who's the best that day, uh, I like that idea. So all of the finals in, uh, in the Globe Arena or Avicii Arena, um, especially when you're on the field, you see all of these spectators, you see the players, and you see the energy in their eyes. Uh, there was a couple of players now in April when we ref the final uh, that you, you can actually see that they were in, really, really enjoying this. They couldn't wait until we blew the first whistle in order to go on. Uh, it was amazing and fantastic and super fun to see. So uh, bringing those in, um, I really, really enjoy them. Um, on the international stage, of course, the WFCs, those are the biggest events. Uh, having the opportunity to do so has always been great. As I mentioned, I have five of them and uh, I haven't stopped yet. Um, 
being a Swedish referee on the international stage means that if Sweden plays the final, uh, then there's no Swedish referees refing that game. So, of course, we're one of the few on the standpoint, and we're, we're open with that. Uh, Sweden has played many finals. Uh, maybe it's time for some Swedish refs to uh, participate in the final uh, instead. But, I mean, we, we do, as we're told, we are um, refing the games that we're nominating, and the best game you can have as a Swedish referee is the, is the uh, semi-final between the, usually the host and uh, somebody else. Uh, and having those games are amazing. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, spectators, a lot of energy, a lot of emotions. And again, coming back on the people, uh, on the international stage, you have all of these local organizers, the LOC, and all of the IFF staff, and all of the um, media people. It's so many people that are there for one thing only, uh, the love of the sport. Also, after Fs. I mean, we usually have uh, five to seven ref pairs coming from every part of the globe. And we're there for one reason only, to, to act as refs in every game and do that on the highest, highest level possible. Uh, the last couple of times, it's been, uh, been really, really great delivery by the, by the ref team. And we are a team um, where everybody needs to deliver. And we have done that in a, in a great way. And again, a shout out to, to the IFF and the work on, on the international highest referee level. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Good job. And uh, we're happy to, that we are a part of that and that we can contribute. So those are, are the main parts, of course. And you can go down on, as I mentioned, when I when uh, have been invited for uh, for example, Car Carlos Lopez, who is the, the, the head of referee committee in IFF, he invited us a couple of years back to ref the final in Spain to act as um, both inspirationals and mentors for the local Spanish refs. Um, and seeing, seeing the Spanish final in, uh, in, in this arena, which was also super hot, 40 plus <laughs> degrees, and a lot of local referees who were super, super excited, and the teams in the final that was also accepted. So, I mean, the love for the sport and the people around it, that's, I think that I'm quite clear in that that is what gives me the most, regardless what kind of game it is. If it's a Spanish final, if it's a under-19 WFC qualification, or if it's a WFC, uh, it's love on different levels with different... Uh, inputs and capabilities but at the end there's uh, five field players on the on the pitch two referees two goalkeepers many sticks and a ball and then the rest is floorball well very well said but i can't help but think throughout that conversation about how you were talking about how sweden always get to the final and with the current rules and the way things are set the Swedish refs can't do a Swedish game on the international stage. Um, obviously, Champions Cup is the exception, as those are club sides. Uh, so you must have been a little bit sort of, I don't know how to say this, like a little bit torn apart watching that semi-final in Zurich when it went to penalty shots. And, and it started to go in the beginning the way of Finland. And you just had one, I guess, one one part of your brain was just thinking, well, if Finland win... but. In the end, Sweden won, so it was all 
They did, they did. And again, that's sports. But going back, the last three WFCs, uh, Sweden has not had an easy semi-final. Uh, but at the end, they, they have they have something. They have a strength, they have a routine, and they have certain, certain players who, who steps up when they need it the most. Um, so it's been sudden death, it's been penalty shots, it's been underperforming Swedish team when the opponents also underperform when they actually had a chance. So the last consecutive um, WFCs, uh, Sweden has not had an easy run in the semifinals. It's always been there mentally, but again, we cannot, uh, we can do anything more than our own contributions on the field. And uh, we're, we're, we do as we're told and ref the games that we're nominated and we're of course, super, super happy and proud to represent Sweden and being Swedish referees and being ambassadors, uh, role models, and uh, strengthening the floorball brand, both from a Swedish perspective and the IFF perspective. Uh, that's that's the main take of, of everything that we're talking about, actually. And that's I think that's one of the reasons that you also invited me to, to join this podcast, right? Of course. <laughs> You give us a lot of insight into uh, an area of the sport that maybe doesn't come up enough in in terms of referees. We we take uh, certainly some players take referees for granted and just sort of think that you just appear out of nowhere like a magician pulls you out the hat and there we go. Here's a referee uh, to do our game. So um, there's a lot of work that goes into it. It does, it does. And but I have to say that both you and uh, the many other. Uh, Federation is doing great job uh, making aware about referees and uh, pinpointing referees and building the brands of referees as well. And honestly, I mean, this is a this is another way of having a career within the sport, which you can actually extend to the furthest. Uh, I mean, I'm 45 years old and I'm still on the top, and I can continue for a long time ahead if I want to since we don't have an age limit when it comes to that. Uh, so it's great that that gets into people's awarenesses uh, and you're doing a good job of highlighting that. So thank you to you and the IFF team for doing that. We'll move on to the last part of the podcast. We'll do some quick fire fan questions as we're, we've been going on for a little bit already. Uh, I have several questions picked out from the fans and uh, we'll start off with the first one, which was kind of, not just picked by one person, but we had a couple of people ask, um, what kind of whistles do you use when you ref? And has this changed since you began? Um, both me and Richard, we have actually two whistles that they are connected and we use them in between our fingers. Uh, so one is the one that we use more than 95% of the time, which is a normal Acme medium ref, um, referee whistle. Uh, it's with it's the one with the ball inside of it, and um, the reason for us of using that is that you can play around a lot with it. So as a referee, we talk a lot about how we communicate. So we have three different ways of communicating. One is uh, using the whistle, of course. One is to use your words, vocabulary, and talk, and the third one is to use your your body to show with your body if it's if it's calm or if, if it's something that we need to emphasize. So 
this whistle can go from very very low that it's a super super clear uh, hitting that nobody is questioning you don't have to whistle but you should because it's in the rules and then going to the highest highest level where no there's no question that that is too clear it's a penalty or it's so so close that you emphasize together with your body language something like that so you can you can play around with that you can almost sounds like a canary bird when it comes to going up and down and sideways and, and we like that because we also like to vary our communication um, in general including verbal and body language and uh, if you look at the referee uh, when you start to look at referees maybe you will see that that is uh, something that varies during a game depending on what kind of situation we have uh, but we also have one one other ref, uh, referee whistle that is more streamlined and i know that many colleagues from other countries is using this it's more an outdoor whistle uh, so it's more straight when it comes to the noise level it's it's very high pitchy and it goes straight um we use that usually when we're in an arena where the noise level is so high that our normal whistles is not used uh, we can't use them we're not audible but it's very seldom that we go to that it happens but we also use them sometimes when there's a scruffle or a rumble between players and they don't listen to uh, to our <laughs> normal whistle and uh, and vocals then we use that and we sometimes we could stand a little bit close to them and sometimes <laughs> that's actually painful in the ear uh, and sometimes that actually works then they, they stop because they they feel some pain in the ear and they don't want to feel that so they're approaching us instead and they say good now you finally listen you can go on that side instead so uh, the long answer to the short question is that we have two two whistles uh, but the aqua medium is the one that we're using most of the time i i definitely remember one of the first times uh first events that i did with floorball in chilano and uh, one of the players walked past the ref at exactly the moment he blew the whistle and uh, the player turned around and almost started having an argument with the ref like why did you blow the whistle when i'm here yeah, yeah. i mean it's a it's a high-pitched noise right so i think as rest we need to take that in consideration i mean where whistles are more mostly um available for for outdoor use or high arenas use i mean from soccer or or whatever right hmm. um so it's commonly used that they are used but usually when when i travel i i bring other whistles around and i hand them out so they can try these whistles and then they of course make the my colleagues around the globe they they make their own decisions on uh, what whistle they would like to use and why but at least we give them the opportunity to to choose uh next question we'll move on to is from jihaf greffer who is uh part of the belgium national federation as a referee and also was a head coach of the ivorian national side last year in the Chilano qualifications. And he asks, how do you decide how much physicality you allow during play? Mm. Uh, great guy, by the way. Uh, hello, and uh, good job with, with both of your teams. Um, I think that I touched upon the physical uh, level earlier when I mentioned that I, we, we talk about physical and technical level. Um, and both of these levels we we need to adapt as referees to to the players 
And uh, if we have a big difference between the teams playing, of course, we need to keep on the, on the lower side of finding a balance between the teams as well. But the teams play, they are, in my experience, they are training a lot on the physical play, trying to have uh, a good physical level when they play. And of course, according to the rule books, it's the shoulder to shoulder that is the one that is uh, noted as uh, accepted. But I mean, we don't we don't tackle. Uh, but you could use your shoulders, and you should use your shoulders. That's my that's my view. And that's when it comes into us as referees, uh, proactively talk to them, make them aware that one, where they're watching you, two, use your shoulder to um, to good enough level so you don't push your opponent over the board or tackle him to the ground that's not the idea but use your shoulder use your strength in order to win the ball that's the the main idea about the physical line together with the technical line and as long as players can handle that we referees should honor that and support that in order to make sure that the players can actually use what they have trained for and what the coach has um, told them to do and put in their playbook in order to win the games. So again, we, we referees need to find that balance uh, of how much we can use the physical play in the line. Great, thank you. Uh, next question from Christina. Uh, how do you cope with making critical decisions and in a fast manner during the game? And do you analyze yourselves afterwards? Uh, hi, Christina. Thanks for uh, for the question. Um, for me, that's almost two or three questions in one, but I'll, I'll try to answer all of them. Um, being uh, starting as a ref at a young age, I I learned to take decision. That's once uh, I I can take any decision at any point in any situation, uh, depending on the information I have at hand. And this is something that also have helped me in my personal life, uh, in my career, um, when because I can always take decision and I can change it in five minutes or two days if I have more information. But on the pitch, I as a referee, you need to take a decision based on what you see, because nobody will give you replay or give you feedback afterwards. No, you see something and you call it. That's. And that's something that goes into the mentality and, and the backspine of referees. You learn to do that. Uh, it's not that you act, you actually react. So when you're a referee, that goes into your system. So you don't think about putting the whistle to your mouth. You don't think about blowing the whistle high or low, as I mentioned, in using the whistle in order how to communicate. Everything is in the backbone and everything is a reaction based on what you, what you have seen. Um, so this is something that all of the referees learn, depending on how much you ref, how much experience you have. But this is something that gets in, in your backspine when it comes to that. Um, on the other note, uh, it could also be a backside of all of this, because there could be other people uh, around me that is not as quick in making decisions. Uh, I can take the family as one example. Uh, if we want to go to a restaurant and just have a menu, and I mean, I take my decision on what I want to have for for dinner in like a heartbeat. Uh, but maybe my daughter, she wants to feel in, see the menu, maybe look at other tables and stuff like that. So then I just need to chill back um, and just like let her take her time. So I, 
that's something that you learn with time as well that not everybody around you are exactly as you are but as a, as a referee i would say that everything goes in uh, in the backspine so you take a decision and you stand by it great next one from brian radical who i'm sure you're familiar with what's the most personally satisfying part of officiating for you uh hi brian thanks for the question and i i believe that you want me to say that when i ref together with you in storyveta cup or something similar uh brian is an old referee of uh, usfpa and uh, now moving over to uh, owning the, the fort worth jaguars in the nafl and also being the gm uh, for the under 19 uh, american team so th this goes into what i've said several times um, it may be the last time i say them during this podcast but it's the people around it it's the friends i make from uh, from start uh, when i was 15 i started to ref with my first colleague kalle uh, we didn't know each other we played in the same team but we never we didn't know each other but then when i got married he was he was the best man at my wedding um 2019 uh, sorry uh, 2009 he, he stopped his ref career focusing on the family and his uh, other career and i started to ref with richard and um, now i for his he has richard has three daughters so from the middle daughter isabel i'm i'm her godfather uh, so you get quite close to people around you but also in my in my closest sphere of friends um sphere of friends i i could say that 30 40 percent of them come from floorball uh, and then, of course, when you travel and on a global scale and all of that, uh, more than 50% are from floorball as well. Uh, and the invitations comes from, of course, professionals, but we have a personal bond. So Kalle with family in, in Dallas, Texas, uh, they invite us to tournaments. We can stay at their house. Um, and it's great to hang out with, with family because then you see more of the person just standing on the pitch in in uh, in knee socks and shorts and a whistle blowing blowing a floorball game you see the person behind that and where he comes from and what they're doing on a daily basis um so all of this and for these people's love for the sport um that's that's the most satisfying thing and the thing that i'm most proud of that i actually have these friends and they are friends to me and they contact me when they have questions or concerns or just want to hang out. Uh, that is uh, fantastic and amazing. Makes me proud and happy. Speaking of friends, uh, next question will come in from Bo Sherio from Singapore. How can I dress as well as you both on and off court? He says. Yeah, Rallo, uh, it takes uh, a long time and you're not half there. <laughs> no, I mean, I, when me and Richard started refing uh, 2019, sorry, 2009, uh, we, we set up a 10-year 10, 10 plan uh, where we wanted to be the best referees in the world, refing floorball. Uh, we actually created a mind map of doing this. And uh, one of the areas that we wanted to focus on was to have a personal brand. Uh, and that was both on and off the court. 
And um, when it comes to off the court, I mean, we're using uh, we're using suits and shirts and ties. Um, we have three common suits. We have two common pair of shoes with a matching belt. We have, I believe it's 15 plus shirts, where, which I'm the designer of. I design my own shirts and, and then I send the design over to Richard. We have the, uh, our initials on the, on the sleeve of the shirt. And uh, then we have a matching handkerchief for that. And I also buy the ties or both ties associated to that. And then we, we select a combination of, of suit, shoes, belt, uh, shirt, tie, or bow tie or handkerchief, depending on what kind of event we're going to. If it's a game, we don't want to match the colors for any of the teams <laughs> because we, we don't want to be influenced. Okay, now you're refing the blue team, so you're all in blue. So, okay. We don't want to get in that situation. So everything is of that is thought through, uh, of course. So that's off the field because we, we believe in, um, in personal brand as well. And this is not only for us, but also for the referee teams. So here in Sweden, we have the SSL group. Everybody in Sweden has, it, has a suit when they go to, to a game. Same as uh, international tournament, except if it's super warm. Then, you, then it's quite difficult. So like in Birmingham, it was also 40 plus degrees. Go into a game in a, in a, in a tie. No, that's not, that's not how it works. But during WFC, for example, uh, everybody has uh, a straight line and good line of, of clothing on and off the court. Uh, I mean, on the court, we're, we're giving uh, the equipment to use, uh, of course. I mean, we have the gear. If it's in Sweden, we have the gear from the Federation. If it's the international, IFF provides. Uh, and then it's nothing more than that. It's a few wristbands and maybe shoes or and the headset, of course, but everybody has that. So I just, maybe Rel, you're just jealous. <laughs> I, I'm jealous after hearing that. That, that was amazing. So. <laughs> okay, I can look you in. So next time I have a new order coming in for search, I send you the design and you can, you can be our... Uh, third wheel in the in the party perfect i'll be like a mini me like a little henchman for you yeah please do please do that would be great <laughs> a couple more since uh we are running a little bit over time but um we'll go to uh we'll go to your your ref partner himself Rickard, who sent in a question and he says who has the football right now Okay, that, that was a very low odds that he was to send that particular question, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, the story is that we play football. Uh, we play football warming up for each game. And uh, you actually have a video from the WFC in Helsinki with Jenna and Marit. Uh, they follow us for one of the games uh, during our warm-up uh, in the snowy landscape outside uh, the arena in Helsinki. And the thing is that we first we warm up uh, as anybody else. we're doing running, we're doing um, uh, other activities, and then we play two touch. So either two touch or penalty shots. Uh, and this is for the competition perspective of it. And the one that is losing that game has to carry the ball back. So that's the idea. Uh, and that's the competition around it. Um, and that's also like the playoffs, right? Uh, you can lose a couple of games, but uh, the most important game is the last game. So that was, that was the, the story of, of this season. 
during regular season, Richard was, uh, I mean, he won over me clearly over the number of wins during the season. But during playoffs, I stepped up. I, I was really, <laughs> really good. So I had uh, uh, only wins and maybe a couple of draws. Uh, and then the draws, of course, then the, the stand stands, right? But then Richard, um, he beat me in the last game in the pre uh, in the warm up before the SSL final, the super final of this year. So yes, Rickard, I'm carrying the ball um, and I'm bringing it to check, and you can bring it home. Fighting words already. Of course. <laughs> Two more questions. Uh, we'll go with Atto, uh, who's a Finnish referee. And he says, any tips for a 14-year-old referee who just whistled his first season? Oh, Atto, great. Happy to hear from you. And uh, great that you're starting refing floorball, even at 14 years old. Uh, I didn't know that you could do that at that, that young age. Uh, I mean, it's so so much information to give, but uh, I, I actually did, on, the, on, the, on a flip note, I actually did a cooperation with Floorball Today a couple of years back, uh, where I did a number of series of interviews, and one of the interviews actually is tips for beginners. So James, I can give you the link to that, and maybe we can take some information out of that, because it was like top 10 tips of what you do. But at the short is that just referee and have fun. Try to ref with different colleagues, uh, get their experience of uh, since most probably being more experienced than you. Uh, learn and adopt and have fun. Uh, blow the whistle, take a decision and stand by it. It will be great and you will have a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we'll see each other somewhere, maybe in Finland. And last one for today from Zunicek. Uh, if you could ref any other sport, what would that be and why? Oh, Sunicek, thanks for that question. Um, the sports that I've been thinking about is, uh, but that was more when I was young, it was football. Uh, but I'm a bit disappointed of football. I shouldn't say as a sport that's too big, but I, I don't think that the energy is there as I would like to have it. I mean, as we have in floorball, we have uh, so much energy that, the the broadcasting they they cannot run their reviews because when you blow a free hit the it's instant so you don't have the time for rerun so if they run a rerun they will miss uh, a goal opportunity right uh, that's not the situation in football uh, i've seen um, studies made of how much effective play there actually is in football over these 90 plus minutes and I like the atmosphere around it. I like the energy and the love for the game and the sports and also the teams. But uh, no, that will be too big and too low of energy for me. Uh, ice hockey, I, I can't do skate. <laughs> so that would be very difficult. But I mean, it's quite similar. Uh, and I like somewhat I like the energy because you cannot blow the free hit. So you would either have to, uh, to do nothing or take a penalty. Right, so that's uh, both an advantage and disadvantage, I believe, for for ice hockey. Uh, but I I would like to see uh, ice hockey referees more communicative. Um, but that's my standpoint. So the sports that I would choose would be handball. Actually, uh, I like the energy in handball. I like the um, the honesty and um, how if we take for for men's then being a gentleman, it's tough. But it's not rude. 
and they also obey and have a great respect for referees so you don't see anybody talking towards referees but if you do then you're penalized so their focus on playing uh, the refs are refing um, and in it's an intense good game i believe uh, usually a lot of goals which we can relate to and also uh, a lot of, of lot of energy uh, the drawback of that is it's very stable right so first is one attack on one and mainly sometimes you have counter attacks but not as much i believe that floorball way we bring on that edge so that we have play we're using the full field for play not only uh, between six and nine meters so a handball it would be but i rather stay at floorball I'm sure as well you, you might have caught some glimpses as well of rugby and how rugby is with their referees. And that's correct. probably quite interesting for you correct. to see that difference. Yeah, you're correct. And I mean, that, that's not as close at heart. I've seen it sometimes and I agree, I agree on um, that there's other sports as well, but those were the one that uh, came out on hand. Well, Thank you very much, Thomas. That's all we have time for today. Uh, nice long chat and really delved into your mind and and the mind of a referee all over the world who's been. Mm. Uh, very much appreciate you coming on today's episode. And uh, yes, I will link. I'll get the link for the video from Thomas uh, that was done for Floorball today for any referee beginners. I'll put the link in the podcast description itself. And uh, whether you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it should be there in the episode bio. And uh, any last words from yourself, Thomas? I mean, again, thanks for having me. Um, episode number seven, it's great. The first referee on this podcast. I think, again, thank you for highlighting referees uh, all over and what we are contributing to the sports. Uh, if it's not being clear over this uh, one hour plus, is that... Uh, Reffing for me has changed my life. I wouldn't be in the position and the person I am today without reffing. Uh, I have visited places that I wouldn't have visited uh, if not through floorball. And I have not, would not have met the people that I've met and that I now proud to call my friends uh, due to the hobby that I have. And the last word is that I feel blessed that I can do this and especially having my family supporting me doing this and being great supporters whenever I go, wherever I go. So thanks and love to my family. And thanks a lot, uh, James and the IFF for having me. Thank you for joining us and Thomas, and thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you're listening on Spotify, give us five stars and we will see you back at the end of August for our preview of the under-19 qualifications, the women's and the Euro floorball challenge that's going on. Take care and thank you very much. Thank you.